Hi there, and welcome to Consume This. Uh, my name's John Duffy, and I would like to introduce one of Consumer NZ's star research writers, Belinda Castles. Hi, Belinda. Hi, John. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. It's sunny in Gisborne now, so that's a bonus. All right, yeah, Belinda's beaming in from Gisborne, which has been through a bit of a tough time recently, so it's really awesome to have you able to join us. What we're talking about today is the Therapeutic Products Bill, which is a bit of a mouthful. And we are really interested in this bill and have primarily been focusing on it because it will include the regulation of sunscreens. But that's actually not what we're going to talk about today. What we really want to talk about is natural health products and supplements. So, Belinda, you are a health and nutrition expert here at Consumer NZ. Um, can you kind of work us through what a bit of a definition of natural health products and supplements is? Sure. So natural health products include quite a few different categories. They include herbal remedies, they include vitamin and mineral supplements, traditional Maori remedies, Chinese medicine, homeopathic remedies, and other products based on animal sources such as your fish oil supplements and deer velvet. What the bill won't regulate is those supplemented foods such as fortified drinks and cereals. Right. So every morning I get up and I have a Barocca because it's full of well, I can't really remember what it's full. It's full of good things like vitamins and things that give me energy. Is that the type of thing that's going to be covered by this? That's correct. So, you know, your vitamin C's, your plant extracts like turmeric, if you can't sleep, some people take magnesium. So all those types of products will be covered, including your Barocca. What do people take turmeric for? Well, that's a good question. Um, there's lots of different claims on there for products, but sometimes there's not a lot of efficacy to support it. My wife had me on turmeric pills for a wee while and I don't I can't recall why it was obviously something that's wrong with me but the pills were enormous they were like the biggest pills I've ever swallowed a lot of turmeric yeah well interestingly in Europe they um the European authority over there said there wasn't enough evidence to support some of the claims on turmeric products so we're really lagging behind um when it comes to some of the claims that these products are making right okay Belinda, what's this bill about? Like, how is it different and what do you think the impacts are going to be? So at the moment, the current situation doesn't provide adequate levels of protection for consumers. The new bill is going to rectify some of that. So it will regulate the ingredients that are allowed in these products. It will regulate the claims that can be made about the products. And there's also going to be a register of therapeutic products, which will be publicly available. So consumers will be able to have a look to see actually what's on the market and what evidence there is for it. I think also quite importantly, there's also going to be penalties for non-compliance. So companies will get a smack on the hand, hefty, hefty fine if they're not towing the line. All right. It has been quite controversial. A lot of people think that natural health products shouldn't be regulated by government, that they're risk-free. But of course, nothing's risk-free. There still need to be consideration about what's in the products. They need to be made properly. And, you know, there's been cases where they've been contaminated with ingredients that shouldn't have been in there. Right. Okay. And it's interesting to note that wrong practices are included in the bill. Has that been a difficult process for Ministry of Health officials to work through, do you think? I think that aspect is very controversial because um, the uh, Rungwa Māori practitioners, they believe that these products shouldn't be in the bill. They're concerned that it's going to affect their ability to provide these products and provide this advice for their people. So they would actually prefer them to be not in the bill. But I understand they're being consulted with in a separate process. 
And just as an aside here, we did reach out to the Aotearoa Ronga Māori Collective, as well as some individual practitioners. They all declined to speak with us for this podcast. So there we have it. We're also working on a larger piece on Ronga practices for the June Consumer Magazine. So we're kind of doing this podcast because we're really interested in what people think about uh, natural products and supplements as part of the background research uh, for this and other material that we're producing on the topic. Belinda commissioned some research. There's some really interesting findings in there. So Belinda, can you kind of talk us through the, the headline findings from your market research on the topic? Yeah, we were surprised at just the number of people that actually take natural health products. So we found nearly 80% had taken one in the last 12 months. And of those people that had children, nearly half of them were giving their kids some type of supplement. So that was pretty high. The other thing I found really interesting was that people don't necessarily trust the labels. They're not 100% sure of what's in the product. So there's still a lot of questions, even for people that are taking these supplements. Yeah, that point exactly. People, they're still buying them and taking them, but they're doing it while they're on a bit of a leap of faith. So what else did the survey tell us? One thing that we did discover was that half of the people in our survey don't believe the level of research into natural remedies and supplements is acceptable. So that was pretty high, even though they were users of supplements themselves. They were a bit like, hmm, not sure there's enough, enough research going on in the background. So that was quite an interesting finding. What's the demographic of people that are most likely to be buying supplements? Do we know that? Well, it depends on the supplement. So we found that younger people are generally more likely to take plant extracts. Know, so your echinacea and your turmeric and those types of those types of products. Um, we found that people who use social media are more likely to spend more on supplements. So whether they're being swayed by their peers mm. or by influencers. So that was quite an interesting finding as well. Mm. So continuing in the vein of gauging public opinion. We're trying something a little bit new in this episode. We're opening the Consume This phone line up and asking you what you think about this issue. And our first caller is Jackie Bennett. Hi, Jackie. Can you hear us? Hi, Jackie. I can. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Welcome to Consume This. Hi. My husband's been ages setting up his gaming gear for me. (laughs) Yeah, that looks like serious serious kit. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. This is a bit of an experiment for us. We haven't done something like this before, so we're not really sure how it's going to go, but we'd love to hear your views. What do you know about the bill and what's included in it and what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a really good idea. I I feel the natural medication, if you like, the supplements area is under-regulated compared to to what the claims that are put forward for some of these um, products. You know, they're being treated by the people that are that are selling them or or offering them as a as a health um, improvement you know product, so that some of the claims are actually around curative stuff in some cases. Um, so I think it's reasonable that they should be held to the same standards. Yeah, and uh, tell us a bit about your background. I mean, what's your experience with with natural products and supplements? So. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a I'm a registered nurse. So that's why I come from a you know possibly a slightly cynical perspective. And I really appreciate the kind of effort that goes into keeping people safe with medications. You know, that's part of the a role as a nurse. We take it very seriously. 
because I've been working through COVID, not as not on the front line. I have to say, I work as a as an office nurse now, if you like. But um, I see the level of distress around people getting misinformation. So that's kind of bleeds over into some of this other natural medicine area as well. So I've started to get a little bit cross with people putting out misinformation and that's why your um, question you know triggered something in me because I feel very strongly that people have to have accurate truthful trustworthy information around stuff that they're taking and I think some areas of the natural supplement stuff it can get a little bit blurred and often that's not intentional I you know there are there are definitely grifters out there but there are a lot of people who are absolutely well-meaning who really really want to to help someone else and they think that this is something that can help them. Um, I also have the experience of being a cancer patient. So I had breast cancer a few years ago and I got all kinds of different advice from people about what I should be doing, what I should be eating and not eating and avoiding and, and you know, have to drink vinegar. It's one of the recommendations that would help cure my cancer because a cancer doesn't like acid. So as a nurse, I know that that's not how you cure cancer, that if I drink acid, my body will just neutralise it and get me back into a proper pH for my body. <laughs> Otherwise, I would be really unwell. And I know they were meaning well, but that's the kind of information that's out there because it's unregulated and people have access to a bit of information. I think that raises an interesting... Jackie, you raised an interesting point. In our survey, we found that a lot of people get their information from the internet. That can be a little bit dangerous too because there's often only one side of the story and also from influencers, social media. So in this day and age, that's where people are getting their information from. Yeah, I agree, I agree. And I think that having the regulatory body in there will help so that before stuff gets to the internet, there's some structure around the products that come to the country. And it's been something that I've been thinking about a lot because I'm trying to be really conscious that I don't turn into like an attack dog about people who are wanting to provide these supplements. It would be very easy to be dismiss them and say they're stupid or that they don't know what they're talking about. And, you know, sometimes they don't have the information, but I try and come from the perspective that they they genuinely want to help someone. And when they are saying negative things about the science that's coming from again wanting to protect people they've been led up this garden path that suggests science is out to get them or that we're telling lies or that a nurse isn't going to give you the right information because I'm being paid by a big farmer or a doctor's not going to get you know and it's again it's coming from a place of fear and wanting to protect people so we've got to try and be kind when we are dealing with people like that. It's a little bit difficult to figure out how to approach it, really. All right, Jake. Thank you very much for, for for your thoughts. We've got a couple of other calls on the line that we need to move on to now, but you've summarised some of the key concerns for us there really well. So thank you for that. Okay. Thank you for your time. Cool. Keep up the All good right. work. Bye. And next on the line, we've got Kim. She works for a company called Lifestream, which is a manufacturer of the products we're talking about today. Hi, Kim. Hi, thank you. Kim, it might be a great place to start for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and, and why you've got an interest in this topic. Okay, so I am a naturopath and a medical herbalist and I am very interested in the bill because it does affect me and how I operate as a practitioner um, and also I work for Livestream and so obviously it has an impact on this company as well. Right. 
Kim, just so that listeners have some context, what is Lifestream? Lifestream um, is a supplement company that um, manufactures and exports natural health supplements, ingredients like aloe vera, tonic, spirulina, barley grass, chlorella, a number of other products in the range. Okay. What are your headline thoughts of the bill? Have they got it right? Have they missed the point? (laughs) How's it going to land? I think that the intention is, um, is there. Uh, but I do think that there is a little bit of work that needs to take place in terms of some of the um, specifics. I know that the, what we have so far is a framework for a bill, but there is a lot of areas that are a little bit gr- where things have been grouped together, like natural health products have been grouped in with medical products and um, other devices, medical devices, sorry. So th- there's just some clarity that needs to take place and some more specific clauses around natural health products I think that helps to support the industry so that the consumer can get products that they want and businesses can sustain themselves. Okay what's the key concern from your perspective? If um, Big picture the key concern is that the regulations that we currently have in place are quite restrictive and I personally, and I think I speak for Livestream as well, we would want to see better rules and regulations that are not ambiguous, that don't um, have unreasonable restrictions. So for example, if we want to label a product, if any company wants to label a product, regardless of whether there is evidence to to verify or validate the efficacy or the effectiveness of a particular ingredient on the body, we're very restricted as to what we can say. In fact, we can't, virtually can't say very much at all about that. It was very. You're the, saying that's that's the current state. Yes, it is. That's a current bill. Yeah, right. and so the um, you, your message is very diluted, which doesn't doesn't help the consumer understand the product or how we can sell it. So by having so a list so- of approved claims, then that have obviously gone through the system as part of the the new regulations that will mean products will be able to make those claims clearer. So that would be a positive, don't you think? It would, but I'm not aware of a list. The list hasn't been developed yet because I did yeah. check that as well. So I think yeah. that's going to be quite a long process in developing that list, similar to what yeah. we have for the Food Standards Code. There's a number of claims that are pre-approved. Yes, yeah. so it will be a lengthy, complicated process to do that. And then there might even be restrictions around that it just seems like a little bit of a complicated process when there often can be years of evidence to validate um, a particular ingredient. So you think, if I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, that the restrictions here on labeling label claims mm-hmm. are kind of overkill in your view? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think they're um, I don't think they're taking into consideration actual evidence or data that validates a therapeutic effect and that needs to happen and um in my opinion on a wider on a wider scale yeah and I mean I agree I'm waiting anxiously for the next round I agree it's going to be a long process and there's a lot of work to be done with those pre-approved claims and um, list of ingredients and all those things so it won't be a short process no, but you know, I'm optimistic that it's going to happen, but also a little bit cautious at the outcome. <laughs> so we'll see. As you say, it'll take time. Great. All right, Kim, that's probably um, a really good place for us to say goodbye. Thank you so much for 
participating in this. It's really great to get your perspective and um, we need to move on to our next caller now. But okay, um, thank you great. very much. Have a great evening. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. See you. Cheers. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Next on the line from Consumer World is Caroline. Can you hear us, Caroline? Yes, I'm on the phone at the moment. Yes, sorry. Oh, that's all right. I'll be off in a minute. Okay. 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 Sorry. That's another call. Okay. Bye. Um, hey, we're talking about the Therapeutic Products Bill, and uh, we'd love to hear your views on, on the bill and the regime, and I guess the industry in New Zealand as well. My sense is that there's sort of free-for-all at the moment. And consumers are being sold all sorts of things, including things that probably are not what they claim on the box. And in relation to health, people are quite vulnerable. I mean, I'm quite vulnerable. You know, I've bought some of these products and, you know, I see something to ease a sore back or something like that. And I'm quite susceptible because I have back pain. And something that's going to relieve that is very appealing. And we're not talking about cheap stuff here usually. There's, well, I mean, there's all sorts of levels of prices, but most of them are quite expensive, sometimes much more expensive than a doctor's visit and taking the pills the doctor gives you. Mm. <laughs> um, and often people are trying it because that didn't work or that had other undesirable side effects quite often. So I feel like, you know, it is an area where people are vulnerable and also I think people have a right to expect that the product will include information that tells them, you know, it works in these cases, it doesn't work so much, or it's got these side effects itself, which is another important aspect of it. And interactions should also be declared. Well, I don't remember seeing that on many products that I've used. I've certainly bought quite a few supplements and other types of products, pain relief type ones, I guess, mainly. Mm. I think it's important. It's probably a kind of conservative view, but it comes from thinking about how vulnerable people are in this area. All right, Caroline. Look, that's brilliant. We really do appreciate you um, connecting with us and and being willing to participate and, and consume this. Sure. Fine. Hey, we've got another caller on the line, and this caller is Kate. Perfect. Hi, guys. Hi, Kate. Hey, Hi. so so thanks for joining us. Um, as you know, we're discussing natural products and therapeutic products and the therapeutic products bill that's winging mm-hmm. its way through Parliament, and we're, we're really keen to hear your views on it. Um, yeah, well, I'm pretty, uh, pretty outraged, to be honest. Um, and, yeah, I really hope that we've got enough submissions against it. I think it's really oversized and they're trying to cram a little bit too much into one bill that's very vague and yet still yet to really clearly state what products or ingredients are going to be restricted and regulated. Yeah, we've actually heard that. What are the main main issues about um, I suppose, you know, what, what are the topics you're most outraged about? I mean, obviously well, the lack, um, of, lack of detail, but... Yes, no, but I mean, obviously, so I run a small business selling wellness products made with natural ingredients and skincare, and it sounds as though 
for a small business like mine, I probably will be shut down and wouldn't be able to sort of afford the levies and things that they are proposing and that a lot of similar businesses to myself will be shut down and therefore, you know, leaving only larger companies who can sort of suck up those sort of fees and things and then at the end of the day have the monopoly over their products in the market and of course then they'll pass on those fees to the consumer and then the consumer is going to be the one paying the high price tag so so what's your understanding of kind of the level of fees that a business your size would be subjected to by by the bill so um I have read through the bill and it it's really hard to find clear outlining monetary value on how things are going to actually go ahead and be charged. But last week I attended a meeting in Gisborne with, say, about 40 other people who are concerned at the bill as well and we were having a conversation and I think the leader of the meeting had some more information for us and so what I'm aware of is that there will be fees. For example, every batch will be tested and that costs to send away to a lab. And that might be okay if you're making in thousands, but I make in batches of 10. There's benefit in, I believe, your energy that goes into making those products as well. I know that can sound a little bit airy-fairy to some people, but we're a big believer of the person who is making your products um so I make in small batches so that's one cost the cost that was sort of being thrown around was about $80 per batch then there'll be a yearly um registering your business to be you know operable and probably similar to the food safe kind of certificate which that could be fine but um you know when you're adding all the rest of these costs up um, not to mention fines. If you're miswording something according to the bill, or if you don't do any of these things and you get found out, and the fines are hefty, and those are on the bill, a mm. hundred thousand dollars, or there's no real discrepancy to the size of your business and how you will be fined. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little, I mean, I haven't seen those figures that, that you've suggested and I'm. it may be that that information you've got might not be quite as um, expensive as you may think because I think there's still a lot of work to be done in that, yeah. in that area. Yes, agreed. And I think that that's just another reason why people really want to get the bill at least revised. These things are important to us. We need to know what's, you know, you can't just put out something that's so so broad and of course people are going to start jumping to conclusions if there's nothing so specific for us to go by and I think those outlines would be really useful um the other thing I just we wonder why why all of a sudden is this bill needed in the way in its current form because there's not been a spike of deaths because of natural products so it makes me wonder why is this all of a sudden so needed. Do you have any ideas on what the motivation might be? My ideas are that <laughs> our government has sold our soul to Pharmac and they, that obviously scientists have been finding out lots of amazing things about properties and plants and natural things that definitely have um, amazing benefits on health 
for example, Kawakawa and the natural health contenders are <laughs> doing well maybe um, and I think that they don't like that and they want to <laughs> have control over that or synthesize the ingredients that they can find in Kawakawa. What would what would their motivation for doing that be? Like, why why do you think they would do that? Money yeah. for for the government or for for Pharmac, which was part of the government, I suppose. I'd say Pharmac, yeah, yeah, ultimately. Right, and Pharmac ultimately wants to earn money to what to spend on kind of conventional medicines, pharmaceuticals, that sort of stuff. Is that is yeah, that how that I, works? Well. Yeah, I would. I don't. I wouldn't know. I think that they are intimidated by the natural health practitioners and the things that we make. Maybe that has, you know, got sort of them thinking that they would like to make the money, you know, in that sense. But um, I think initially, like looking at it for New Zealand. Obviously, if this bill is to come in, there's going to be an entire industry that's needed to, well, police it. And those people who are involved, well, how are they going to get paid? They're going to need to find the money from people like us. And so that's sort of, I think, initially how it's going to roll out with where the money goes. Okay. So if you had to summarise, do you see, like you've mentioned a number of potential negative impacts of this bill. Do you see any, any positives? Yes, I see a positive. Like, for example, there's always going to be cowboys in the industry, like in any industry. So, yes, there probably are people out there making crappy products that aren't doing what they say they do or maybe have, you know, very little of the ingredient that they're claiming to have. The other thing is wording things. Obviously, you should never say, you know, lavender is going to cure cancer. Like, you should never say big claims and I know there are definitely other companies who might be claiming things that they shouldn't. So, you know, I do see that as a benefit if that's part of what the bill's proposing. Um, but, yeah, I <laughs> that's basically all I can find. Okay. Positive. That's awesome. Look, um, thank you so much for sharing your perspective tonight. It's it's that it's really interesting points that you've raised. Um, we've got a f- uh, another caller that we need to mm-hmm. to go to, but um, look, we really appreciate you being part of Consume This. Cool. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you All very right. much. Okay. See, you See ya. Can you hear us, Quentin? Yeah. Hi. Yep. I can. Um, look, a, a, a great place to start is maybe you can tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, and why you're interested in this topic of of therapeutic products. Um, so my wife and I run, a, well, I guess you could call it a micro business, really. We manufacture herbal products. We live in Gisborne and we run on a really small scale, like it's just us two. And we've got like a, um, we've got our own little registered kitchen at home. Um, and we make things like herbal teas and sunscreen and salves, like, you know, kawakawa balm and that sort of thing. We make insect repellent. So some of the products that we, make at the moment we already have had to get registered with our local council in order to be able to make them because they're food like the tea some of the products at the moment we're just making them and we're really happy with the quality of them and the people that buy stuff off us are really happy with the quality of them so you're making sort of more lotions or sort of like supplements that people put in their mouth i suppose consume that way no we 
we don't make any vitamin supplements or mineral supplements, no. So some of the products are topical, yeah, like like, like I'm talking about a salve or balm that you've made with, you've infused a herb in a carrier oil and then you add in some beeswax and hey presto, you've got a balm that's suitable for putting on skin that's irritated, eczema, sore muscles, that kind of thing. The sunscreen too is a, a topical product. We make some herbal tinctures where you've made a product and you've you've extracted it using alcohol or glycerine to make a really concentrated form of the herb, much more concentrated than, say, in a herbal tea. And then, yeah, we, we make herbal teas, which are obviously ingestible, so that's why we already have the registered kitchen, because they are, well, they're not a food, but they're, they're consumable. And what's the process you had to go through to register your kitchen? Was that a huge palaver or an, an expensive exercise? Because we understand through this bill, you know, there'll be businesses, small businesses, large businesses, whatever, that have to spend money to register both themselves and the ingredients that they're using. So having been through a similar process in an aligned regime, how difficult and costly was that for you? Um, we spent about two and a half, maybe three K on the council fees and some things that we had to do in order to comply, like getting our water tested because we're on rural water. The biggest piece of the cost was actually the contractor that came and verified our kitchen because in Gisborne, the council didn't feel that they had the expertise to come and inspect our business because although they inspect really high-risk businesses like takeaways and sushi bars and places where you're bound to get food poisoning, they didn't really uh, feel that they were capable of inspecting people who were mixing up dried herbs and putting them in a jar. So we had to spend another 2 k on getting a contractor up from Napier. So, yeah, that was reasonably, like, for, for the level that we're operating on, you know, you know we, we're only selling, ah. Oh, Two, $300 worth of product a week on a good week. It really is a micro business. It's not a full living for us. So it's going to take us a long time and a lot of jars of tea to get that cost back. Mm, yeah. <laughs> the certification we have through the council lasts for two years and it allows us to make any kind of herbal tea that we want to blend and any kind of salt plus spice plus herb seasoning mix that we want to blend. We don't have to register the individual products. The other expense that has been quite a big expense for us is that in order to go through the whole registration process, we did have to have a commercial kitchen. So we spent 38 k on buying like a little mobile kitchen trailer. You can't really have your own home kitchen registered as a commercial kitchen. You really have to have a separate space. Hmm. What's your view on that? Was that excessive in your mind, or did you do you see the the rationale behind that? I definitely can see the rationale behind having food businesses operating in a hygienic way and in a responsible way. So, so bring it back to therapeutic products. What's your understanding of what you'll have to do under the bill? You know, along well, similar lines to what you've done in look, the food mate, space. That's absolutely anybody's guess because the way this bill is written. All of those rules are yet to be drafted. So at the moment, we're writing submissions and then MPs will be voting upon the second reading of the bill once it goes through the select committee process. 
at the moment, really, we're guessing, we're speculating. I've had contact with some other medical herbalists through social media who, who are saying that they think it'll probably cost about $100 per year per product, but they are guessing. They are absolutely guessing. We don't know. If we did have to pay $100 per year per product, we'd be paying about, oh, we make about 20 different products when we add them all up. So that would be another $2,000 a year. It might be that the regulator, who hasn't been appointed yet and won't be appointed until after the bill passes, they might say, yep, well, a kawakawa balm has to contain at least 10% kawakawa solids. And you've got to prove that it does by getting it lab tested. Any kind of lab testing is always at least 80 to 100 bucks for whatever you're doing. That's minimum. Labs don't do anything for less than that. Why would they? It's not worth it. So if there was a testing system as well, that would really hammer us because we make our stuff in really small batches. If we were having to get each batch tested, that would the margin would just go. Yeah, that's an interesting question for me. So what... If it, if the bill passes in its current form, what will it do to your business? Well, again, that's anybody's guess because it might be that the regulator just says, oh, look, you know, Kawakawa, well, it's got uh, a long history of use. It's a pretty safe herb. We'll grandparent it into the system and just say you can use it without restriction. Or they might say, actually, no, that's a restricted plant and you will have to register and pay a fee per product to use it. It's really anybody's guess, but I think I think I can see that with a business that's operating on our scale, you know, we're, we're probably making 10, 15K a year max from it. Okay. If we had another five or seven of compliance costs, we would just, we'd flag it. It would not be worth it. Mm. A lot of our clients here at Gisborne are on really low incomes. Mm-hmm. We've kept our prices really low. People are often telling us we should put them up. We don't want to do that because I've got a really strong conviction that natural health products should not just be for wealthy people. They should be for all people. And I think it would be a pity if they lost that choice because we either went out of business or increased our prices to pay for the compliance costs. Interesting. Look, Quentin, thank you for your perspective. That that has been really, uh, really interesting to listen to and really enlightening. Hey, Cheers. Thanks very much for having me. Kakite. Cool. Kakite. Okay, we're going to Liz. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can. Thank you. That's okay. I'm sorry to say I'm, I am in the car. That's okay. We <laughs> that can... was the best I could do, so I can't <laughs> have my video going. That's all good. So thanks for joining us. It's probably a good place to start, but why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and, and why you're interested in this topic of natural products? Sure. My name's Liz McNamara. I'm a naturopath and a herbalist and a cosmetics formulator. I'm the chair of the Naturopaths and Medical Herbalists of New Zealand. I've worked in the industry for about 20 years. Uh, so the, the current proposed bill is very relevant to my day-to-day life and the people that I advocate for. So I've been privileged enough to um, be able to meet with the advisors who have been writing the bill and give direct feedback and hear from them about their intentions for the bill and things like that. Yeah, what? How's your feeling on where the bills got to at this stage? My personal view is that I conditionally um, 
approve of the bill and and support the bill but there's a lot of areas that need some attention and consideration and further education and and not just from the natural health side of things but also from medicines from what I understand from conversations with with people in those areas it's an absolutely enormous bill there is so much yet to be written and I think that is partly why there's just so much concern and worry. Day to day, the regulations haven't been written and won't be until there's a regulator put in place. So yeah, there there are a lot of concerns from people and I understand where those concerns are coming from. But at the same time, my position is dietary supplements definitely need regulatory reform we have very outdated legislation, doesn't support the industry at all. There's not really a good communication stream with the current regulator. Export is not supported. So we have so many issues currently. I would hope <laughs> that anything's an improvement on what we have. But like I said, there's just so many unknowns. But there's really positive things that could come out of the bill, like increased amounts of certain nutrients. So at the moment, with some nutrients like B12, you're only allowed to access 50 micrograms of that, which can be a very low dose to some people. So hopefully those allowable amounts will come into a better alignment with higher doses that are common in other countries. Um, so there's, there are a lot of positives um, if these things are available for general sale in the supermarket and you know in, in the mall, it should be easier to figure out what might be helpful for you um, or what might not be helpful. Awesome. Hey, look, thank yeah. you so much for, for participating in this, Liz. Um, we'll let you get on with your evening, but have a great night. Okay, you too. Thanks a lot. Bye. So after all that, Consumer NZ needed to head along to the select committee and make a submission on the Therapeutic Products Bill. The crux of what we ended up saying was that we do support the regulation of natural products and that we think we've fallen behind our international counterparts in, in our lack of regulation in this area. We also noted that we didn't want to see any increase in prices or compliance costs reducing competition in the sector. And remember, the natural products part of this bill was only one of the the parts that we were submitting on. There were plenty of others, including the regulation of sunscreen and medical devices that we submitted on as well. Uh, if you want to see the full submission, you can catch it on Parliament's Facebook page or also uh, see our full submission on um, our website. You've been listening to Consume This with me, John Duffy. And this week, also guest starring Consumer NZ health and nutrition writer Belinda Castles. Thank you to all of you who called in. Links to the bill, our submission, and the full results from the survey we referenced in this podcast are included in the show notes. This episode was produced by Tom Rist-Smith and made possible with support from the Ministry of Health. I'm Abby Darman and I work in the campaigns team at Consumer New Zealand. I want to tell you about some of the exciting work we're doing here at Consumer New Zealand. 
Right now, literally, as we speak, we are working really hard to keep big businesses and our lawmakers in check. So we're currently engaged in taking on unfair retirement village contracts, misleading supermarket pricing and dodgy green claims. To keep up this good work, we need to raise $50,000 before the 24th of September. So please, if you can, help us to help others by heading to consumer.org.nz forward slash donate. Thanks so much.